Hello, everyone, and welcome out to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film an improv scene, and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our programs, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review, or subscribe and leave a review wherever you can get podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from our lovely backers on Kickstarter, like Catherine Ranella, for example. And Catherine is someone that I've met more than a few times, and she's amazingly chill, amazingly cool, and really loves the audio format. So much, in fact, that she has a show called Midnight Audio Theater. It was not part of her backing the show for me to plug this, but I I really appreciate it. Go to MidnightAudioTheater.com. You can see some of the great things. It's broadcast at WCBE 90.5 FM out of Columbus, Ohio. And it's all been done, has been on there a few times. She's actually come out and helped narrated, I think, one or two radio hours. Or no, she narrated one, I think, guest started another. I'm if I'm a little off, I apologize. But Catherine's a lot of fun. And weird story about this, too, is that I actually knew her before I really knew who she was. I used to work at this place, and I think there was a Starbucks there, and, and I would run into her. And we would, every once in a while, talk about audio stuff. And then years later, she showed up at Radio Hour, and I was just like, hey, do I know you? And I think she was very, very kind to me when I then realized that, oh, my God, I've talked to her a lot at when she was working her previous job and I am a schmuck or a schmo who did not remember her as well. So she backed me on Kickstarter. So Catherine, thank you so much for supporting local Columbus, Ohio podcast. And uh, it's much appreciated and check out her stuff at midnightaudiotheater.com. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. How rad is that? Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with Audible, plus you get easy exchanges. So, don't love a book? Swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook. We're also part of the It's All Been Done Presents Network, a Columbus, Ohio-based multi-platform creative network. Let us entertain you. We're also voted uh, one of Columbus's top picks for 2017 and 2018. And uh, we have tons of podcasts, friend works, reviews, videos, and more. For more information, go to iebdpresents.com. In this episode, I am here with Eric Sternberger, and we sit down and talk about MIB4, a.k.a. Men in Black International, on this episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. And a word of warning that there will be spoilers aplenty, not just on this topic of Men in Black, but just about anything we may talk about. So, listeners, please beware. Is there anything you want to say about Men in Black International? Join in on our conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram, username GoodBadGeeky. Facebook URL is facebook.com forward slash goodbaggeeky and email, you guessed it, goodbaggeeky at gmail.com. We may read your comment on the show. Okay, enough said on my end. Will, roll them. All right. So as you heard in the intro, we are here with Eric to talk about Men in Black International. True. They went to two countries. No, no, three. Three, yeah. Three uh, so what was it? There's... Um, U.S. U.S. Bar- Marigesh? Marigesh? Oh, I guess it goes to one four, because they went to Marigesh, uh, technically, you know, U.K. Okay. And uh, Paris. So France. France, yeah. So they went to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. Okay, so we like go to more countries than Spider-Man: Far From Home. Ooh, that's a good and different parallel worlds of those. I don't think they're going to go that far with it. I could, but I don't know. Luckily, you and I will get to discuss that later. That's right, we will. So we'll just start real quick. What, like a real quick hit? Like, what was you like? If we had to encapsulate too long, didn't read, sure, or didn't hear, what would you capsulize this as? 
Watch it for the performers, not the plot. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. That's uh, my general takeaway. I man, I, I you know, I really you can tell that uh, you know Chris and Tessa are really good friends in real life, and they're mm-hmm. they have great chemistry, and that's why you should watch the movie. And uh, you know, Kamal uh, Nanjani is oh so good. Uh, unfortunately, I think they used every one of his lines in the preview, but there I, he was, still nails them. There was ninety percent of them. Yeah, it was very close. And yeah. but I will say in in the defense of that though is like in context of when you're watching the movie, yeah. it still is funny. It still is because usually when that happens, it's. It's funny, but then you're just like, oh, that was in the trailer. Yeah. And it's not as funny. It becomes, it doesn't become funny, haha. It's now funny, ho ho. Right. Yeah. And then it just kind of sits there like, well, they blew that in the trailer. And then you get kind of pissy with the film. But, uh, <laughs> no, you do, though. You yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're just like, they put everything in the trailer and then it becomes that movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a good popcorn film. Yeah. Performances were great, but it was just, it was just very, it was just okay. Yeah. It, it felt hollow. Uh, he, I don't know. Now, I will say that, yes, yes. So, I, I I couldn't find the article in time, but literally someone on Twitter that I follow, they're, they're an art, a writer. Is it me? No, I do okay. follow you. But, you know, uh, they posted it. Uh, I think it was had to be from New York Times or Variety okay. or something. But it was a cutout where they said, because I don't think the movie opened as well as they wanted it to. Right, it did not. Because we're recording this a few days after it opened. Yeah, it, it opened uh, slightly below the low end of expectations. Ew. So, um, which is a theme this year. Yeah, sadly, yeah. Oh, yeah, because what was it? As a big Godzilla fan, they they said that Godzilla finally reached 93 million domestically. Yeah. And I was like, that's what the first one had opening weekend. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that makes me sad. But yeah, so with this one, though, I, I kind of feel like, and maybe in the trailers felt that way too, a little bit, where it just felt like you're really seeing it for the stars. Yeah. And their chemistry, and there's nothing, you know what I mean? It's kind of old hat at this point. I thought the trailers were good. The trailers moved and were a lot they of fun. They did move, yes. And It I wasn't think, a bad trailer. No, and I think the problem with that is that it moved so much that it took a lot out of the film. Yeah. It took a lot of the moments of the film and didn't leave much in between. Yeah, it really didn't. And, okay, so, oh, so sorry, the, the clip, it, the, the snippet uh, oh, yeah. that, the, that the writer said was apparently, and this could be, because some of the movie felt disjointed, even though their performances were really good, some yeah. of the dialogue. The reason why is because apparently, being coming off from Ragnarok, Tessa, or is that her name? I think yeah. Tessa Thompson. She was just like, I'm going to hire my own writers to redo my dialogue. Hmm. And then Chris Hemsworth bought, bought his own writer to rewrite the dialogue. And so they would, there would be frequent clashes on set of dialogue not matching what the other person was doing. Because they would hmm. just completely go off and do their own thing. That is interesting. And in retrospect, and then also, I forget what it was. I think Woos or someone posted is uh, Men in Black is one of the last great blockbusters or something on The Ringer or something like that. Yeah. And they talked about how Barry Sonfeld kind of has stepped back and just be like, I love the first movie. I, I put that up high. I do not like the second one. Sure. And and also, if you hear about some of his discussion about all the changes he made, because yeah. apparently he was attached to it. He then left because I think he wanted Tommy Lee Jones, and they didn't want to get – it's something where it was an acting as a casting choice. He didn't okay. like who they had cast. And so when he came and, and the other person they had left, and he's like – I will only come back if you can get Will Smith because my wife likes Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I don't watch the show, but mm-hmm. she loves him, thinks he's great. And I want Tommy Lee Jones. And you got to set everything in New York City because, and he explained like, if you walk down New York in the summertime, it's like 94 degrees and you'll see somebody wearing four oh, layers yeah. of coats. And it's like, oh, well, it makes sense because on their planet, it's really fucking cold. Yeah, yeah. And or whatever, and it, so that they're an alien. Of, sure. of course, it makes sense. So because the original script never, barely, it was Washington D.C. and then pretty much it was in the fields of Kansas and Iowa or something like that. Okay, right. And I'm just going. And also, the end of the movie, the bug and the the two men in black had a philosophical discussion, and they parted at parted with peace. I mean, and 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 he's just like, you can't do that. This movie is building up to something, and then you got to have a, a conflict at the end. Yeah, and so. 
he did that. And so all those changes made that movie oh, yeah. technically what it was. And then the second one, they just, they're like, you can't, like, they didn't give him plenty of time to change the script to make it more yeah. his whatever. That, we, we recently watched the second one, and man, those special effects do not hold up. Oh, that's sad. I, I, the movie, to me, in general, from my memory, doesn't hold up that well. Like, I like Rosario uh, Darson, Dawson, and I... Yeah. The performances well, are good. I, I mean, honestly, take Johnny Knoxville out of it, and... <laughs> really? Was he that bad? I actually remember seeing that, because I was like... character was that bad. I, I, I'll, I'll go with that. I yes. don't... I think he was fine, and I've seen him in stuff where he's fine. And I'm not a Johnny Knoxville hater by any means. Oh, yeah. But even the fact that the second there were so many second head jokes. Oh yeah, and like, and it looked so bad on that little wire thing or whatever. It just that just needed mixed. Yeah, and and also I feel like Laura Flynn Boyle's yeah. villain wasn't as threatening or well, even mildly humorous as Edgar was. Which which brings me to actually my my biggest gripe concern uh departure of this current film sure so the first one we follow at the edgar suit which yeah is fucking hysterical yeah i mean d'onofrio crushes that oh my god yeah and by the way in that same article if i can find this article everyone i'll give it to all to put in the show notes but it yeah. literally talks about how sonfeld apparently he even talks about and i didn't know this he's just like i'm kind of like woody allen and those guys which is your job is to act my job is to direct. I don't really want to talk to you. Sure. I want you to do your own little thing. And so Vincent would come to him. He's like, I think I'm going to do this. And he's just like, I don't care. You just do your thing. And and he's like, well, do you have any suggestions for me? He's like, I'm trying to do this with it. And he goes, okay, great. And he would come back and he's just like, is that the voice you're using? And take one. He's like, is that the voice you're using? Like George C. Scott and something else? He's like, yeah. Okay. And he just keeps as I'm saying, like, I was yeah. very hands off. Well, I, th- I think, too, when you have a performer like D'Onofrio, you can trust him. But- no, that is true. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, he's, he's classically trained. Yeah, it's it's different than, you know, there's, there's I, can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's like, was it Johnny Depp who changed his voice halfway through Pirates of the Caribbean or something, the first one? Yeah, and I had to go back and reshoot yeah. it. Yeah. Because he first wanted to do it like Michael Jackson or something. <laughs> yeah, it was some kind of. I think that was. I think that was the one with him. They changed so, it. So um, stupid. Yeah, because but, th- that was the thing is the production got shut down by Eisner because he's like you're spending way too much money, yeah. and. But, oh, but going back to my thing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you had Edgar suit in the first one, Tanafrio crushing it. The second one, while you know Laura Flynn Boyle and Johnny Knoxville weren't, you know, the best, especially when you're following up Tanafrio. You also yeah. followed the villains through the film. Right. And the third one, the same with Jermaine Clement. This one is totally missing the fact that they, the only thing this completely hinges on for maybe the first three quarters of the movie is them making you try to think that Helmsworth is the villain. Yeah. And, and they're doing it so obviously that you know he can't be. Well, yeah, because yeah, they're they're trying so heavy-handedly to make you think he got swapped out during the events of the prologue when they fought the hive. Yes, uh, so many years ago. So we have no villain that we're also following that's like engaging and and, and fitting the tone of the story. Right. What we have is we have these two villains who basically just show up, fuck shit up, and leave. They don't right. We're, ne- we're never follow them. They just always kind of appear, create a scene, and we move on. Like, and the powers though that they have are really cool. That, those were very cool villains. They I were, those... and, and technically they weren't necessarily villains True. as we found out. They were misunderstood. Well, no, they were kind of bad because they just ran away kill. Yeah, they, they weren't but... good guys, but they weren't. <laughs> yeah, but but no. Here's the thing: <laughs> they were slightly less villainous than the hive. So. so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were they were basically imperialistic in the fact that they would do anything to save their home world, right? Which, if if it means that you know they'll push you in the way of the bullet, yeah. Spoiler alert! I mean, you already know this if you're listening to the show. There's spoilers, but Liam Neeson is the bad guy, which is the thing that as soon as you know, well, it can't be Chris Helms, you know, it can't be Chris exactly because, because they're trying to make you think it so much, so it has to be Liam. Don't you wish that they took that scene at the beginning of the movie where it shows them walking up and then just put it somewhere else like later in the movie or maybe mm-hmm. just not show it at all? I just feel like it, it kind of ruins any suspense that you have of it's either one so, of those. Here's what I love. What if we move that? Cause especially we have a flashback and then we flash further back and then we jump back forward. 
Yeah. Because we start in 2016, then we jump back like 10 years. Yeah. Or 15 years or whatever. Sure. And then we jump forward then 17 years from that point to the current. Yeah. So, like, if we were to do that, like, say, cut out the thing of them going to Paris. Right. Which then is later when they're like, oh, he's going to Paris. Like, well, obviously. It's like the only other place we've talked about. If we make the reveal of the Eiffel Tower later, it's it's a little more – it has a little more weight than the fact that it's something we already know. Right. Which we shouldn't know, essentially, if we're, if we're following Tessa as an eyes-in right. kind of character. Yeah, so, totally. Imagine if when they're riding up in the Eiffel Tower, you know, she makes the statement about, you know, how did you do it? He goes, well, with our wits and our – Series seven atomizers, yeah, whatever. Our fancy guns. We do it alone. And he says it three times. She's like, well, why do you keep – he's like, I keep repeating myself, right? And then we do the flashback. Yeah. And we see what happens and he doesn't remember. Like there's like – all of a sudden he's successful. He realizes he's missing this entire chunk of the actual battle. Yeah. And like, and like that would be an interesting way of showing it. Yeah. Still giving us that flashback. Totally. No, I, I, I agree with that 100%. Like – and also, maybe this is me, but there's the one joke where they name Riza's Island of Death for sure death. Yeah. Do you wish... Okay, to me, I I was just like, right when they didn't show that, and especially in on that last line, I was like, oh, they're going to have it pop up right away. Mm-hmm. And they did. I'm just like, I would have just popped it up right away, <laughs> because I feel like you already know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. And it, the the, sub, the subversion of the joke for me would be just to put it up right away. Yeah. And my wife disagrees. She thought it was very funny. And I'm like, no, it was funny. I just think it could have got a little more of a, a pop. I think it could have gone either way. There's also, I also want to say, how many times can we have uh, the Eiffel Tower be the gateway fucking point? I swear I've seen it in like three or four movies. Most, really? Most, uh, oh, uh, uh, World of Tomorrow. Uh, was an, was, Tomorrowland. Yeah, Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah. Really well, I was cool. like, it doesn't. If there was another movie called World of Tomorrow, it would not surprise me. No. That <laughs> no, no, I, I got you. But yeah, like it's been in a few things, so it's kind of like. I see. I I I just remember being very pissed at that movie, and I don't remember the Eiffel Tower <laughs> thing as much. Yeah. And, and well, I saw it on DVD, so I saw all the on the the menus. They had all the. I swear to God, it had to be deleted scenes of Hugh Grant, uh, Hugh Laurie's character. Mm-hmm. Just in the '60s during the actual World's Fair, okay, with where Disney was at, and so sure, it yeah. kind of makes it. And he's just like you can see his disdain grow for humankind, <laughs> which explains his fucking oh, yeah. character. Yep. And I just remember like why it wasn't any of this in the movie. It's so yeah, I got so, so mad. But uh, that's tomorrow. <laughs> one thing I wanted to uh, point out though with this one that as part of like the heavy handedness, right? Yes, that we were just talking about the heavy handedness of with him constantly saying. You've changed. They keep telling them, you've changed in the last couple years. You've changed. Like, yeah. Okay, so I got two things to follow up through on this. Okay. He's changed, right? So how much more interesting would it have been as a character thing if he came back and that's when he split up with uh, Reza? Okay. And that's when like, she dumped him right after that. And has changed the fact that he has been brokenhearted and that, you know, he's basically been acting like a James Bond post his fiance Casino getting killed Royal. kind of yeah. thing. You know what? Where, okay, where, okay. Where it's actually like he's got a death wish and that's what it is that now he just doesn't fucking care. And like that, but the thing is, he's acting and his, you know, the way he's acting, it's apparently similar to how he was acting beforehand with the whole, like, woke up handcuffed to a horse the last time he was with him. So clearly he's still a reckless, and he always has been kind of a, a reckless kind of character, right? Right. Which brings us to one thing. The only thing that could have possibly changed with him from two years ago that everyone's like, you've changed? Like, uh, when the the, uh, the the other alien who, like, touched his hand said, you've changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vol- so, Volgon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, where he recognized, like, empathically on a cellular level that H has changed. Okay. The only thing that means is when they use the neuralizer on someone, it fucking changes them. Which is cool. But it's also dark. It, it is. But- that means that when they use the neuralizer on you, it changes you from a, at a cellular level. Well, so, and that's fat. Okay. But see, they won't go into that. No, I know. I but you know what I mean? Me it's sad. But like, that's the only thing that technically changed. Right. If you, if you 
trace that line of thought back from the end of the movie when it turns out, no, everything was fine. His partner changed. He had just been neuralized. Yeah, which I, I, it, I just still feel like oh, – oh, and also – And uh, he kept saying, people keep telling me I changed. I don't think I've changed. Right. It, I kind of – it would have been – I feel better or made more sense if it was the reason he had changed or it was somehow tied to that because it really wasn't. The only thing it really I feel like technically changed was – well, so my first instinct was, oh, he saved the, the world. Right. Sometimes people get PTSD and they get reckless. Right. And but it seems like he was that beforehand. It, no, right. Exactly. And so that to me is where I'm just like, well, it's not that. And that just makes him a little – or there's I'm, – I'm not finding anything to root for him with. I, right. I don't want to root for you because you're Chris Hemsworth and you played Thor and I like Thor. And that's what we were doing. Exactly. I want it – I want it – so by the end when he reveals that, I was just like, oh, well, I feel – kind of bad for him that sucks like you thought you saved the world and then but you really didn't and 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 you feel betrayed by your father figure like it's a very mix of emotions but like they didn't i I don't feel like they established the father bond thing really well either maybe that's why they threw that in at the beginning we were like this is what they were like before i I didn't which which would have been more interesting than if, if beforehand if he was really cautious Yes. Or something. And then they Some- save the world, and suddenly he's like, I saved the world, bitches. And he <laughs> Some- anything- rode a horse everywhere, like, just for the hell of it. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I saved the world. Now, I will say the, the closest thing we got that made me feel like I was watching the original Men in Black in a good way, and the movie wasn't – here's the thing. The movie really wasn't bad. I no, mean, was, our, was, our thing is, is we nitpick on the, on well, the show it, here, but it was the bearded we've had a run of guy. These. We've had a run of these, of ones that have been like – fine they're just fine between secret life of pets and yes i yeah like i really it was just disappointing because you know they're trying to use this as a jumping off or a reboot point which is fine and even though it's not really a reboot it's a continuation but it's rebooting the franchise yeah it's just okay and it could have been better Mm -hmm. like you always want to aspire to be better than your predecessors and i will say it was now, I, I will say it was in more enjoyable than three in that, but I like the story of three a whole lot more. I haven't seen three in a while. I might need to revisit it, but I remember not caring for it at the time. I remember the guy, uh, do you ever, did you ever watch Boardwalk Empire? Yeah. Um, well, a little bit, but yeah. Did you, well, first season ends, like you meet Ar- Arnold Rothstein. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the actor's name, but he was also in uh, the Coen's A Serious Man. He played the lead. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the special... Uh, I, I hate saying like that. He came off like a special needs person, but he's really an alien that's very, very high developed. Yeah, yeah. His performance was amazing. Josh Brolin as Tommy Lee Jones was just fucking oh, dead good. on. But I, And I thought the story... I mean, it was a little cliche with the whole thing about Will Smith and his dad and all that stuff, but... You always uh, have that. You always... Yeah. But again, you know that going in, but I felt the story for that was way more engaging than this one. This one was... It was just... But still, I do consider this – so I, I guess if I had to rank them, I would go Men in Black, Men in Black 3, International, M- MIB 2. And yeah. again, the first one's way above the others. And then for me, MIB 2 is way below. Yeah, the first one is so much better. But it's – I think the problem with the second one is kind of that whole opening sequence with Mikey and the subway. But oh. uh, there's just kind of a lot of – special effects stuff in the second one that, as opposed to story stuff. So when you rewatched again, were you bothered by the fact that they brought Tommy Lee Jones back? I wasn't, but it's also because like, I know the thing. It's if, if they found a way to do that today, I'd probably be more bothered than I was at the time when I saw Men in Black 2. Because okay. mostly because it, that does annoy me when... It's a good ending. Yeah, it, it annoys me when movies have to find a reason. Because, well, first off, they just ditched Linda Fiorentino for no reason. She was good in the first one. I I agree. Now I've heard that she's all she was a huge pain in the ass, and the producers didn't want to deal with her. But it's possible. Uh, well, Kevin Smith had similar issues with her on Dogma. And yeah, he supposedly gets along with everybody. I except for here, Bruce Willis. Well, 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 well <laughs> to be fair, Bruce Willis is a fucking asshole yeah. because I have. So I just remember before it came out, he started doing the stand up where he was starting to slam him. After Cop Out, I remember he did an interview for Red or Red 2 where the whole – like he just started making fun of the – I think it was a German or a Russian journalist. I'm like – and to the point where – was it Mary – Mary Stewart Matheson? Yeah, Mary Stewart Matheson was just like – 
she's kind of like laughing like are you are you serious right now like this is funny because i get it we're all tired of this but like not cool man like it was, it was just very awkward yeah. and he's just an asshole and then i realized oh my god now try walking up and trying to direct this man who's been on autopilot for the last 20 years probably oh yeah actually it feels like 20 years it seemed like he kind of cared in red but that's kind of an outlier <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You watch, there's always a moment in every Bruce Willis movie, you're like, did he care in this movie? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to gauge because, I mean, there we go. Just do the next Men in Black. Have Bruce Willis. Although I I think I've seen him listed on a couple movies where I've just been like, ah, sure, what the hell, because it's on Netflix or something. And it's like, he's in three scenes and he's always like behind a desk in an office where people come to him. I bet he got paid like $3 million to do that. And he probably hired a writer to rewrite all his dialogue because he does that apparently in every movie. I don't know. I can't see him caring about his dialogue. That's 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 true. Well, he, he probably wants it to be what kids think are cool or something. Cause, <laughs> you know what I mean? He, beyond that, you're right. He doesn't give it. He's like, or he'd be just stupid. He's like, I don't think I'd say that. Why? I'm fucking Bruce Willis. Don't you talk to me like that. I think he wants to be Clint okay. Eastwood so bad. <laughs> oh, and Clint Eastwood should not be Clint Eastwood these days. I, I mean, good director. I, I didn't see The Mule, but I heard it was very good. Uh, um, I heard it's problematic. I do. Okay, let's go to a happier Clint Eastwood memory. Grand Torino was a good movie, but there's also a part of me that gets scared because didn't he help write that? It's very full of very horribly oh, yeah. racist things. And so, and he's hardcore conservative. You know, and then there's the chair. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> flashback to the past. Oh wow! I, I yeah. feel like I feel like someone at Warner Bros. was like, "Hey, Clint, you're like almost ninety now. Maybe you should just not talk about politics while we're promoting a movie." And he, because I, he hasn't talked no. about that shit when he did the Mule Press. I just remember I was like, "I'm surprised he's not talking about chairs and shit right now." The <laughs> dude is very much a. Anyway, Clint Eastwood. I don't even know how we got to this. <sighs> But so Men in Black International. <laughs> the, the sad thing is, I think it had such a good cast in a lot of different ways. Oh my god, Emma Thompson! I mean, how? Yeah, so good. I mean, that, that's that's the thing that bums me out about if they don't do a second one is that Emma Thompson could have such a bigger role. Oh yeah, I mean, I know, I know, uh, I know. Rip Torn also went kind of batshit crazy. Oh yeah, uh, like like yeah, seriously, way worse than than Eastwood. Actually, I would say maybe a step below. Uh, it goes Rip Torn, and then way up high is Randy Quaid. Oh yeah, and then yeah, there's yeah. a lot of drop below that. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Which is sad though because Rip Torn was one of the. He was to me like even in two when I wasn't enjoying the movie in retrospect in my memory, Zed was always kind of funny. Yeah. And I think in two he went he he actually went on the, one of the missions or took a little bit and then he got like stuck where he or basically the, the she was interrogating him because he ended up getting caught in that, the at the back at the base or something yeah which which but still that that's really cool but he's nuts but it leaves us with Emma Thompson and it's such a well and also like this is not the first time Liam Neeson has done this role he literally did the same thing in Batman Begins yeah and and like look. That movie is fantastic, and his performances, his performance in this is really good. Oh, okay, here's the thing: it just bucks the Did shit out of me. He look weird to you. Uh, he some his he looks he looks he. It's the first time I looked at Liam Neeson in a movie. I was like, oh, he looks his age. He, he, well, he looks like, like his age, and then they made him up a little too much for his age, or something. Maybe maybe it was their attempt at doing like a human suit or something. Yeah, and that's what I couldn't and decide it didn't if it land. Was, because like I what was the one he recently did with the cold one? Cold Pursuit. Okay. I really like that one. What, what, which uh, now, one is that? So, <laughs> because he did so many Well so here's a Cold Pursuit is the one where he's a snow truck driver? Or a snowplow driver? No, here's the thing though. I haven't seen the trailer for this, I'm not kidding. No, it's actually it's very dark comedy. I'm fine with that. No, I like Liam and, Neeson. And it is him well. avenging his dead son. Okay. But it oh, is. that was the movie he got in trouble for, didn't he? For yes. Okay. Um, it was. I don't re- I guess that's the reason why I don't remember the movie. I just remember the comment during the press tour. Yeah. So that was actually a remake of a uh, Norwegian film called In Order of Disappearance, which was made by the exact same director who then remade it in America. But the Norwegian one has got Stellan Skarsgård. In, oh, in the Liam Neeson role. And I, what's funny is, I watched it, the Norwegian film, a few years back, and then I then I saw this one, 
And I'm like, yeah, I'll grab that from like Redbox or something just for the hell of it. I heard it was pretty decent. And I get like 15 minutes in. I'm like, going, God damn it. This seems familiar. <laughs> like, I'm pretty, like really, really familiar. Uh, uh, it's like, I, have I seen this like deja vu? Like right. Horrible- and, and they definitely tweak it to be like American references and American gangs and stuff versus like Norwegian. So yeah. I I mean okay so I I need to watch because I what was it the movie that I it did bombed actually a lot of his movies unless they're like the big high concept yeah. like the one on the train did kind of decent yeah not not great not like Taken but like it did well and that was kind of and that's kind of how the movie was here's the thing it, it's like any Steven Seagal movie at some point back when he was yeah. something was it's like it's Steven Seagal on a boat it's Steven yeah. Seagal on a train it's Taken Liam Neeson on a train. It's taken Liam Neeson well, on a snowplow. But it, yeah, and this is so a, good. Yeah, and this and this is a bit different for those kind of films. And it's the, one of the favorite things about it, though, and is that the Norwegian one and this one both have like a gay hitman subplot, <laughs> which is which is which is so weird in the middle of it, but so perfect. Yeah, that's so Neeson. He, I feel like he always plays characters that in movies like this. Where he's not the main lead, he yeah. he always has the turn where he's the bad guy at the end, or it, it just mm-hmm. like I so I called it in the trailer. I was like Liam Neeson's the bad guy. Well, he's the bad guy. He's gonna die. It's it like in in the trailer, I'm like he's either the bad guy, or, or he dies in the beginning, or he's the yeah yeah the or the the lead the father figure who dies and then they must avenge his death. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like you watch the trailer. It's like. Oh, he's only in this part in this part. It's not like Star Wars where they very purposely only show you like maybe or Guardians 2. They only show you the first 20 minutes of that movie yeah. and don't show you anything else. This is legit like they're clearly showing you all types of shit and it's like, "Oh, he's not in anything else. He either dies or he's the bad guy." And hmm. it was both technically. Ah, but also that was is that, is that your is that your big way of of, so, of surprising us? So I also love the fact that okay, so C the character C. Oh yeah, Rafe uh, yeah. Spall. Yeah, who's like the He is also always a bad guy. Yeah, so I like the fact that they, they didn't make him the bad guy this time. I did uh, too. Although I did love the fact that the government agent named C, I thought they were going to skyfall it and have him be the, the <laughs> bad guy. But you know, the character named C since that's Oh yeah, the agent C, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I uh, but I love the fact that Do you see? Yeah. Yeah. He he's pulling up all the data and like showing like this is what we found or whatever. And Liam Neeson comes down, and he's like, why wasn't I told about this? I was trying to keep it quiet. You're in a fucking open room showing it on, like, 20-foot screens. How the hell? Like, right in front of his office. How are you keeping it quiet? My my wife made it. My wife groaned, and I didn't get it at the time because sometimes I'm just, like, paying it. I'm just watching the movie. You know what I mean? My brain's not working with comments and stuff like that. Which is uh, is always fascinating when I go back and rewatch the Transformers movies, especially the second one, where the plot just really doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you if you're watching in context of the movie, you're just going, "This is why things happen." That's and then when you try when to when I stopped it, watching Transformers movies, yeah, you know, I, I I stopped after. No, that's not true. I want a passes to see the one with Marky Mark, and then I was just like, and and at that point. I stopped watching the movie. I started like hearing what everything was saying. I was like, this is just god awful <laughs> horrible. Well, okay, it's like this. I'm going in to be entertained. I might shut my brain off a little bit, and that's okay. Well, I want it to be better than that. This is the level, like, to me, like Men in Black International, Secret Life of Pets, those are both kind of that level of, ah, that was fine. I, I went yeah, in, I shut yeah. my brain, I shut, if, if I shut my brain off, it was fine. Yeah. You know, there's other movies where I really want to turn my brain on. And there's other ones that I just like, just want to really enjoy something like Booksmart, which is kind of in the oh, middle. So, yeah. It's kind of in the middle of all of those where you can kind of sit laughing, back. You're thinking. Yeah. You can, you can laugh, you can think, but you can turn your brain off at some of the, like the, uh, I don't know, coincidences or whatever because they don't ruin the movie or defy its own logic or, yeah. You know, kind of stuff. I don't know. This, this one just felt like, it was trying so hard to make you think one thing, and you knew that couldn't be that thing. So it was like, what's the point? Now that I think about it too, the moment 
they said the alien, the one bodyguards, like alien name. I was like, oh, there it is. Cause you know, that's yeah. going to come back. Like, why keep this in? Mm-hmm. Like, they, or why keep it in the order they had it in? Which again, I would have done the same thing with that, where right when she says that, she goes, da da da. And then you do a flashback to that. Or hell, even do it well, when she's talking to O. I would, I would have left and, that in the beginning because I feel like that set up her journey. Okay. But, and I would have moved the stuff with H until later because we don't get to him until later. I think the movie was like, was like this was Tessa Thompson's movie. And, and, I, and I feel bad we haven't really talked about her enough, but that's mostly because her stuff was fine. That, 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 <laughs> that no, that it was sadly the, the, the truth of the matter is that her part was actually very well developed. Mm-hmm. Um, she had, even though there's not a lot there, she had the most plot in terms of character development. Yes. Yeah, she she was good. I, 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 but I, I felt like the movie put in the Chris Helmsworth and, and Liam Neeson thing at the very beginning because it wanted to be like, hey, don't worry. These guys will be back. Men. Or, and like instead of just trusting it to be Tessa Thompson actually as the number one lead because she was. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you broke down the amount of scenes, she's in the most. So at the end of the movie – Hemsworth becomes Agent H becomes mm-hmm. the head, the, the temporary head of London of, of the London branch, mm-hmm. and then she's being sent back to America with yes. Agent O. And she, I think they pretty much said you are officially. Yeah, no, they did because they gave her the new arrival. Yes, she, you're full time, which is awesome. That's her character arc. It's, it's fantastic. Now, did you feel that that little bit at the end was about like a romantic thing that she had for him? Or was it more like, oh, he's my partner and I don't like leaving my friend or partner? Because I took it as a romantic thing. They were trying to force their own romance there. Yeah, I took it as a romantic thing, which was so out of nowhere. Okay. Now, my wife is like, I didn't take it that way at all. I took it as friends. And I was like, maybe this is a guy thing because I know that they're trying to ship people in some of this. Like, they had that really weird conversation about relationships, whatever, which mm-hmm. led about Riza, which was good. And then we meet Riza, and that makes sense. But it felt like – I was like, I swear to God, do not have – and they had that scene. So, to me, it felt like – Oh God! They're trying to put these two, or it'll be a thing for the next movie if they do it. Yeah, and that's a- what I think it was. I think I think they were trying to set up set up the future romance now that he's over his ex and she sees him differently. <sighs> but God it sake. was. I really do hope if they if they do another one, which I don't think they're going to, sadly, and unless they have, if not, it might be a hard reboot. I mean, if if, if they but, do, I think it's it'll be because of foreign sales, which oh, yeah, I don't which, know which how happens. foreign sales are, but yeah, I I really hope that they don't do that. Like, because here's the thing: it was set up earlier, which is part of a character arc. It could be a continuing character arc, which I'm fine with. It's just I. It's the same thing. It's just that why do why does she need a love interest? Right. Why can't she just have one friend in the entire world that she kind of connects to? It doesn't have to be with love. I, I like I I just feel like I'm fine with that, and that they can use that as the character arc. But when you make it the love thing, I just feel like right. If, if they did a whole character arc of like the fact that she finally made a friend, right? I think that would have been great. Right, because I don't think like Pawnee who. Again, come on, the Johnny. We're not talking about him a lot either because he no. was very good. Yeah. Matter of fact, another favorite well, part of the movie is uh, the part where he's cutting himself out of the glass oh, God, jar, so which was so funny. And he's like, uh, "Everything's great. I'm walking through here, <laughs> and no one can hear me." <sighs> so yeah, my wife just goes, so, "Who is that?" I was like, "It's come on, the Johnny. I have talked to you about this. It's the dude so from the big here, sick." Here, here's the thing, too. What did they did they get something from the queen? Because they went to see the queen, so they wanted to do the assassination. They're like, we don't do the assassination. And then they showed up and they assassinated the guy. I think... Did they get the weapons from the queen? So, it was not... You know what I mean? No. So so that's a missing... That's a very good point. It's a missing plot point where I took it and I'm... Again, this is headcanon, which means it means absolutely fuck nothing in sure. the context of the movie. But the headcanon on this is that I feel it's like we're going to hire you to kill this person and he's a high dignitary yeah. and then they look at it and the queen's like nope we don't do that it's going to cause problems and it's like well now you know that we want to kill him and but they don't out. come but- back to kill them until later because they don't kill him at that point because they because uh, otherwise I, I thought they i thought they did no because they come back the next day and the queen has her last breath i think at some point during that whole day 
Pawnee would have realized the queen was still alive. That's true. See, that's that's off to me. Then. See what I mean? No, no, you know, yeah. So, so I bet you anything that there was something else, like it was something was edited out of order, right. to make it flow better. The problem is that part in retrospect really doesn't make any sense anymore, right? So, like, if they had gotten a weapon from them and then they were going back and covering their tracks. Right, which that would make sense, but sure. they didn't do that. They didn't and, show it. And also, why would they need to cover their tracks? Those guys are bad. Because I, they already got sawed by them. So maybe this was in the trailer, but I swear to they God. They already got sawed. Jeez, I'm not English. But a bump. Don't forget to take a drink. Uh, yep. <laughs> That really, yeah, that does now bug me. And I, <laughs> I like, and I kind of already had a, a kind of an issue with it. I remember watching. I was like, yeah. "Wait, what? Okay, I guess they killed him because of, I see now. See, my brain was trying to to have it make sense that that's right. why that happened. But now that you're saying that, yeah, that makes sense. That it, yeah, because they go to the then they go to the nightclub. They kill Volstag or whatever. And then it's the, the entire next name. day. Yes, that then they get. Oh my god. And then at that point, it's like, really, bro? Why aren't you helping your queen at that point? Like, right, yeah. if that happened with a day ago, right? So that obviously had to have just happened, right? And they, she is, they are chasing her there. Well, so it makes sense that 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 it was happened earlier in the day. As the plot point comes up later, which I thought was fair enough, it was well orchestrated that Liam had given the tracking device that yes to uh, to Tessa Thompson, but like. How did the twins keep finding them? Because so, the twins just kept showing up, and they kept knowing and tracking Tessa, even through like that bazaar. You know what I mean? Like They were always... So, 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 so this is where, and there's another... So my headcanon came up with something, and then I realized, no, that makes no sense. Because what if Liam Neeson was working with them, and then when he didn't need them anymore, he killed them? Right, but they would have known he was Hive. Not necessarily. Well, true. But but again, yeah. we're I'm trying to make right, nonsense right. of something that makes no sense. Right. Does not I mean. connect. There's no a synergy. couple of those weird little connecting things that what you'll make for a fun movie in the moment, but when you think about it like afterwards or you look back, you're like, wait, but how Right. Now I will say let's full disclosure, this is not Transformers level bad. This is this is accept well, not acceptable, but it's okay. It's mediocre uh storytelling. But yeah, and, and it's not like screaming plot hole. It's just like oh yes, where Ugh. why it's you know it's nothing in it. That's one of those things I was want to point out. Like there's a difference between plot hole and not including something. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is more like a not including something. I feel like they yeah. probably had something, right? And it got excised. Now, so you know, maybe they knew the energy signature of the weapon or something. So so taking that thing that I, I, I said into effect about the the script stuff. Yeah. Like what if oh here uh so it's uh Ryan McGee, he usually does T V and Scott Tobias is one of the people that he quoted and Scott Tobias is a film slash T V writer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what article he got this from, but here's the whole – one source says new pages arrive daily for the actors causing certain amounts of confusion as well as stripping away some of the considered more modern sensibilities. Thompson and Hemsworth then hired their own dialogue writers. Both Markham and Holloway were on set even as Parks looked to dictate rewrites and other source notes, seconding that multiple dialogue writers served stints on the set for the actors. If that's for Men in Black International – it it could explain why maybe there was something that was lost in the dialogue that they you know I mean they because in the moment you're thinking oh that we don't need this I'm I'm trying to make an, an, an yeah. excuse for them but I don't think it's a valid one I I don't know because look this shit, here's the thing the reality is this shit happens on films all the time and we and hopefully you never hear about it yeah um, and I think that if this is related to Men in Black the movie is not doing well, so they're trying to blame it on something. And <laughs> well, which you know, I hey, hate when they do that. Hey, it's just uh, like, look, when, when it comes to that, big really up hard. on Kinsberg. I I will. Okay, look, did you see that? I uh, did for, for, for Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, no, yeah. He basically came out and goes, "Look, put the blame on me. I'm the director and writer. I yeah, mean, yeah. no, but I was what I'm saying, but he produced it. He wrote it, directed, and he's just like, yeah, it didn't connect with audiences, and that's on me. And yep. and they have been slowly losing that connection, and I've not been paying attention to that. And you know what? I hope Marvel does what I couldn't do with. I was like, damn. Yeah. Kind of well done. Well done. I'll give respect for that. No, I, I really will. Uh, you know, and here's the thing. He did love those characters and you could tell there was some love there. Yeah. It's just, it, it all felt very 
is that's the weird thing in the in the Marvel the more Marvel movies that are made that aren't in the MCU. It just feels like we're spinning wheels. Do you see where uh, Into the Spider Verse has a different director and writer for the sequel? No. Yeah. Oh, so Lord yeah. and Miller are out. Apparently, they got the writer from Wonder Woman 1984. So, are they still producers with? Uh, you know, I don't know. Quotation the, the, the director is not a guy who's done like some Avatar, The Last Airbender stuff. Okay. Well, I'm really hoping that transcends into something. Still good, but I mm, yeah, that makes I me sad. Um, but so the kind of reminds me, like you're saying, about the new pages arriving daily. I'm just so amazed that movies think that's going to work. Yeah, it reminds me. I was uh, listening to um, Timothy Oliphant talk on, I think it was uh, Mark Maron's podcast recently. Yeah, for Deadwood. Yeah, when he was talking about how the difference, the biggest difference between movies and TV. Is that in TV the writer is king and in movies it's the director? Mm-hmm. He said because that's the only bad thing about doing a lot of these TV shows is that you get amazing scripts, you get great plots, and you go to the director and you're like, "What do you want me to do?" And like, uh, "What have you done for forty episodes?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like no one wants to rock the boat. No one wants to come in and be like, "Like this is the script. We have to shoot the script because there's another one next week. Right. I'm here for a week. I'm not going to do too much shit. Let's get through these pages." Right. No, yeah. Well, and as opposed to the movies, we're just kind of like, I've got an idea. <laughs> did they, did they, did they, did he go into, because there is the, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter article or Rolling Stone article. I think it was Ryan McGee or someone like that. They, they interviewed, or no, no, it was not Quint. I still follow those guys from Ain't It Cool News when they jump ship. I follow yeah, them yeah. and they got, and, and Hit Fix and okay, all sure. those Drew McQueenie and some of the, the TV guys yeah, yeah. and the movie guys. I follow them still. And, and so some of them got, sadly, Drew, I think, is trying to do his own thing on Patreon. God love him. Mm. Um, and I've subscribed to some of it. It's really good. But he got a job at Hollywood Reporter or Rolling Stone. Oh, Alan Fine. Okay. Yeah, Fine Print is what the old article used to be. Sure, yeah. Um, and I think he did an interview with Milch. Okay, and and, they, and he of course talks to a little bit of everybody, and the big get though for him was was Oliphant because yeah. he's very, you don't know if he's being a, he's like Harrison Ford. Are you being an asshole right now, or are you being funny, yeah. or are or are you both in between? And he was very honest about like the whole how the pages used to work on the original show, which is yeah. Milch saw the whole vision and in the middle of the thing he would just call cut, and he's like, give me two hours, and he would write something, <laughs> yeah, come yeah. back. And they would completely change the rest of the script. He had to keep rewriting pages, but he knew exactly what everything was. And now, and of course, they talk about how it's a little bit more sad because he has dementia and or Alzheimer's. They're kind of the same, but a little different. Sorry, but they talk about the process of him writing that, and it's just like that would be terrifying for me because I already have a hard time remembering dialogue. You know, and that's and that's some flowery fucking dialogue in Deadwood. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And Milch, uh, and that's the other thing too, is Oliphant would say, Milch would start, it's the only time Milch would ever be cruel. He would go like, read what's on the fucking page. And you're just like, <laughs> and you're like, but you get it though, because like, especially someone like that, it's like, grand, he, it's too long and verbose, but it's like a Kevin Smith dialogue. Oh, yeah. You need to get it almost, or word perfect. Well, it, it's like, it's like Quentin Tarantino. There's a oh, rhythm. Oh, exactly. There's a rhythm. Or, uh, so there are writers out there that are like that, which I find to be fascinating. Uh, Who's the guy that did um, Steve Jobs in the newsroom? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Sorkin. If I just talk about the movies they're in, he'll come to me. Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> I because I was like, it's the dude who wrote that movie, Steve Jobs, and the newsroom. Oh, yeah, Aaron Sorkin. There it is. Aaron Sorkin, Kevin Smith, Quinn Tarantino, David Mulch. These are guys where you need to get it word perfect because, you know, not to say you can't give ideas, but. I, I love the fact that I was listening to a recent conversation basically saying how. Fincher's the only guy who can make a Sorkin script not feel like a Sorkin movie. <laughs> and I was like, that's so fucking well said. That, yes. Because, well... Because, no. I mean, he's worked with them a couple times, and they didn't they didn't feel like Sorkin movies. Well, did Fincher do Jobs? No, that was Boyle, wasn't it? Yeah. I kind of didn't feel... I feel like that was also didn't feel as much as... Nah. The, both of them have little hints of it's Aaron Sorkin, like the opening of Social Network completely is an Aaron Sorkin thing. Oh, yeah, but but by design because then it goes away. No, which that's is, true. Which is the perfect thing. He yeah. uses Sorkin to be the asshole. 
Right. Which is, <laughs> which, but, but now can I say though, that that's amazing that when you have a writer like that who is very known for a very set thing and yeah. you kind of push him a bit and, and the best way, cause he, he knows oh, yeah. how to write dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like you don't question that. And matter of fact, I think there was a there's a supercut somewhere on YouTube. It, it but they take about phrases, colloquialisms that he uses in every one of his projects. Oh. I think social network included. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it came out is when social network hit. It's like people were like, "Oh my god, this movie's so good." And then they were like, "Wait, Aaron Sorkin doesn't he he says this thing a lot?" And the uh, was it the it's not the White House show. What is it? West Wing. Yeah. White House, or the fuck I caught again, West Wing, Newsroom, American President, sure. Few Good Men, they all like little things that they just do like a super edit on. It's really, it is kind of funny. <laughs> I, I had to pull up uh, one of the lines I wrote down specifically. It's a short one, but I want to make sure I got it right. Yeah. That Milch had uh, uh, in I, the Deadwood movie. I, I love it. I just love the fact that as the one character comes in, I'm not going to say who the character is. Yeah, character, spoilers. But, yeah, comes in to give a speech to Ian McShane. Because, of course. And he makes just looks at him. When have you ever been prone to brevity, sir? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a like a line like that is so fucking perfect. Yeah. And even for it to be a short line about brevity that says so much. Yeah. Well, so was it you that were saying the other day or was it just in maybe us talking offline – was it you that was saying about Ghostbusters that Murray didn't give a shit, and that's why the movie was so good? No, but no, I remember who was saying that. Though, I, yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, someone I forget who it was, but someone was saying that to me, and I think we talked about it, but I don't think I said it. Yeah, where it's just like, yeah, Bill Murray didn't give a shit, and because of that, it's why the character works so well yeah. because you can tell he just is doing whatever to get them to leave him alone and move on to the next scene. And that's also a weird movie where also by Columbia Pictures, mm-hmm. where they're, the script kind of just got like, I know Ramis and Aykroyd, who are very talented writers, they wrote the script, but like, it's really Oh, Murray. God, Aykroyd's original script is so crazy. But, well, the you mean the one where they fight the state of Marshmallow in the first 10 pages and they go through different dimensions and yes. stuff like that? Yes. I've not read it, but I've heard stories about yeah, it. And I heard same, it's same here. I have not actually read it, but yeah. yeah. I, I uh, Yeah, because actually that's kind of also where the Blues Brothers came from. It was all like one big hodgepodge of, of shit, which I, I'm just like, dear God. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the funny thing is to take it back to the movie. Gary Gregg got his Hollywood star this week. Okay, now I... I need to I need to pull this up again real quick. What the fuck else has he done? Every well, everybody, he's done. And oh, way. okay. He did the last uh, Fast and the Furious. If I'm mistaken, he did uh, set it off. The Italian Job. Yep. Which I actually like that movie a That's lot, good. even though uh, Ed Norton fucking hated it. I was like, <laughs> you you were fucking great in it, sir. The Negotiator, which I think is a very underrated movie, mm-hmm. and then uh, Friday. I had no idea that yeah. he did Friday. Yeah, he did The Fate and the Fu- of the Furious. Mm-hmm. He directed Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Buying Simpson. Uh, so he's, he's got a good track record of, of either kind of decent popcorn films or better than they should be below the line films. Yeah. I, now, I will also say, too, he did the video for Coolio's Fantastic Voyage. Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, no, yeah. Uh, that takes me back. TLC Waterfalls. Yeah. Crazy, nice. sexy, cool. He did. Oh, Babyface. Wait a minute. Which Babyface? You're talking. You're talking about a guy that's been around forever, but probably the common person does not know their name. You know what? That good for him because I'm looking at this. This is a. This is a deserved star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. Good for him. And here's the thing. You know, probably it's sadly a Sony bought the star for. Him oh, I'm for sure they did. Publicity, As but promote publicity, but. Well, very well deserved. Because sometimes you hear people getting the star, and you're like, "Do you need it yet?" I yeah. I feel like you're young in your career. Now, if you died tomorrow, no offense, that's horrible to say. But if, if someone oh, young, no. when we when we were there last, the only one I wanted to see was the new one at that time, which was uh, Weird Al, who got his right before I went to L.A. last. Oh wow! So I wanted so badly a new theme song. And I'll give you okay. Okay. Now, Nick, okay. Now I'll tell give me. you the picture for the for the notes. O- okay. I okay. didn't bring it with me. Okay. I didn't find it in time. My freshman year in college, which would have been right when right after this came out, essentially, I was pledging a fraternity, 
and we all had to go around and do serenades where like you sing songs to sororities. Okay. We ended up doing Men in Black. Like the rap song? The rap song. Okay. With the words changed to We Are the Fi Caps. We are the Fi Caps. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I mean, you know, none of us were music majors. Here's the thing. I I can sing it in the melody. It's fine. Yeah. It's great. So it was, of course, a song about uh, essentially blacking out drunk because, you know, neuralizer. Ha, 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 ha. Yes, right. of course, of course. But we, how does that get with the score? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, Take me on this journey. I'm so sorry. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Imagine 18 of us freshmen in college going around. I was the only one who could actually keep up with the Will Smith part, so I had to do all the rapping while 17 other all-white guys, actually, in my class, doing the Men in Black dance and doing the chorus. Oh, yeah, where it's like... Behind me. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. just all of us in uh, black suits going around to sorority to sorority. So the first half of that dance, it's technically it's a fat man shuffle, which oh, yeah. is fantastic because as a fat kid, I could dance to that <laughs> when they played it at the dances, um, which I always was very appreciative of Will Smith for. Yep. And I just remember, yeah, because that's when I actually started watching, like, I feel embarrassed to say this, because it was that Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. I started paying attention yeah, yeah. to MTV Way okay, more sure. than I did when I was little. So I was watching the videos, and I just remember TRL, before it was TRL, I yeah. watched the premiere of the Men in Black video. I was like, this is rad as fuck. And I, was, <laughs> and I started doing that. I was like, I could do the dance. And then years later, I was like, that's called a fat man shuffle, Nick. And uh, oh, yeah. they, uh, they apparently did it just for you. Just like Fat Thor and Endgame, <laughs> you now have a Halloween costume you can uh, do. I'll, I'll, I'll track down a picture for you for the show notes. No, it's like please eight, do. 18 of us guys in you know, 1997. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Dancing the Men in Black. Galaxy Defenders. You'll drink, you won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that to me was the only comfort I got going. And it was like, I hope they play the Men in Black theme song I, I by know. Danny Elfman. And, and but now, yeah. if it was the rap song they played, I'd be like, oh no. I would have wanted. Don't need that. I would have loved a 20 year later remix at the end. Okay, okay, that would have been interesting. Like, so I'm all for remixes mm-hmm. of songs. So, like, if, so, if, if I, they if the movie had more of an impact that somehow tied to the mythology that came before mm-hmm. it, I would have that be the end credit well, song where they how, do the remix. How fun would it be though, since they do call out Childish Gambino as being an uh, alien, as, dear God. which is a complete callback to what they've done several movies of the true. A- I just a- didn't find it funny. No, it, it was a complete rewarm joke. Uh, of, oh, look, here's weird people that are aliens, just like they did 20 years ago. Wait, no, they did, and I did, but I feel like some of that's kind of, I feel like even when I watch it now, I was like, that's that's funny. But I, I, I was just like, Donald Glover, I don't feel as super, well, he's, I guess, kind of weird. He's gotten weirder, but. Pro- I guess probably just his talent. But <laughs> right, but like. His, now, his multi-hyphenate. Car- was it Cardi B or Nick Minaj who was in. Ariana Grande. Ariana I'm sorry. All three of them feel like the same person to me, and I know they're not. <laughs> but like, a, as as a guy yeah. who has no concept of what's going on in top forty CHR, sure, sure, sure. I look. I someone shows me a picture of them, and I just go, "It's it's it's a it's a one out of three bet every single time. It's either those yeah. three. I thought that was actually mildly entertaining, but I was just like, "But who else? What type of personalities are there today that are super out there?" Besides I mean, I those three. Oh, please tell me more that are not racist or horrible people. <laughs> like, well, I mean, horrible people. It's well, I mean, okay. Let's. I mean, let me take this back a little bit. That are horrible people, but are not like racist horrible people. They're just like you know, they're trash pandas. I, I guess. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That was mean. They're not trash pandas. So that's the only thing I could think of. I'm wearing a, a t-shirt. Correct. No. This is very this is very stable genius. So that tells you who my answer would be. All the uh, okay, <laughs> but I would have loved though if like Glover came back at the end and did the did a Men in Black remix song. That would have been cool at the end. Now see that man. Also, like, don't you just okay? No, I don't. Because yeah, to me, that would have that wouldn't have been like pan. That would have been more homage than pander. Yeah, like well, so I had this discussion in, in the episode. I think the episode should be out before this one goes up. But Scott Wheeler and I discussed the Godzilla remake song by Bear McCready. Mm-hmm. I love that. And he's just like, I prefer the original. I was like, well, no, no, I prefer the original too. But like, 
the difference between the two songs is one gets me fucking jazzed and it's just because the remake with the chanting and just yeah. the, the the orchestration and it's the same and to this also applies to another Sony movie, which was the 98 Godzilla. Sure. I like the orchestration. F- What's the Puff Daddy song? Come with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah P. I like Diddy. I love that. Now, granted, the, the, and the same thing. The song gets me jazzed up. I hate the lyrics for oh, it because you just want to hear Cashmere. But it's like they got Jimmy Page and what's his name to redo the guitar yeah. lick and – Go, yeah, you should probably add more violence here. Like, they got to remix it how they probably always wanted. It's like, you can like Tim Burton's Batman's theme, like the animated Batman theme, and like Hans Zimmer's Batman theme. Oh, you can, totally. And and it's like, tell me, which which one do you want to hear? Which one do you like the most? I don't know what's following it. Because the the one from Zimmer with Burton's Batman is going to seem... Out of place, you know. But can can I also just say this is just now hitting me to me. One of my favorite things I've ever seen. This relates to the music. Is when they did the the. It was a short video for Man of Steel, whereas I think Superman's seventy fifth birthday. Okay, where they showed like him through time. Yes, yes. And I'm just like, do that with Batman. You need to do it. Like the dude has some iconic scores. Oh yeah. And some of them are mostly from Danny Elfman, but like still fucking like, look. Are you embarrassed because you're probably going to have to do the na 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 na? You know what? I don't fucking care because that's yeah. part of his history. It's what made Batman, I feel, more of a nationwide name oh, than yeah. no offense to the comic books, but like it's the same thing with the Spider Man cartoon show. Well, you know, Spider Man. I mean, and, and it did because you had four things that you could watch on that glint right at night. So 25% of your. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, because what was it? Uh, when they, they canceled, I don't know who, was it Kevin Beagle? Beagle? He was talking to Bill Lawrence talking about remember when the single guy got 14 million viewers and they had to cancel it because it wasn't enough and I was just like I like the single guy yeah. <laughs> my memory of it I should say yeah sure because I like Jonathan Silverman right and I because that was I was just like yeah I remember that and Caroline in the City and the John Larroquette show yeah they all had Herman's like head. Her- well no, that was on Fox <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that was the NBC lineup on one night That's true, yeah uh, but no no I I also too enjoyed Herman's head I. My memories of that show right, are very at positive. At the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because it's like half the cast of The Simpsons, right? Yeah. And and then the – I can't remember the guy's name, but that's actually how I knew him was he was like the cook in uh, uh, Down Periscope. Okay, He's yeah. always kind of a big guy. Has a very distinctive voice. He was like one of the the voices in yeah. his head. I, I, <laughs> did, I did like the club so- scene. That was so, as we're so talking about music. good. Yes, that is so good. And the dance where the the alien started the, the alien dance, and, and it gave Tesla a chance to actually be a detective. Essentially, which was nice because we saw a crash course of it when she's on the computer. Yeah, and we, we kind of see like stuff as if like she obviously has some investigative skills, and we actually got to see her do something in the field other than just like running and fighting, which is basically once it, her and Chris got a motorcycle, that's what it became. Yeah, yeah. Although, I did love him showing up. Why are you wearing pink trousers? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, now did you take that as it's very out of character for you, or was it more like, uh, we all know that you're still working for the Men in Black. Why the fuck are you doing this right now? Is that one of those? It, it still it's works either way. It does. It, it does. That's when they're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Okay, so also, do you want to know if that thing killed her, killed Rizzo or not? The Trunk Kong, and you know that's one of those things where I feel like that could be a if they did a sequel, she could it could be a platform where she could come back. I'm fine with that, and maybe that guy's a freelancer now, or maybe now he joined Men in Black as an enforcer or something. That would be interesting and cool. So I watched a video where they were talking about the difference between the comic books by Malibu, yeah. which got bought by Marvel, and then which is Agent K was an asshole. Mm. They they showed some of the the screen, which is pretty much they kidnapped Agent K mm. or Agent whatever Will Smith was, mm-hmm. and made him force. It's either we neuralize you and you pretty much go into a brain dead coma, or you come with us. Oh, okay. Uh, or no no no, it was either we do that to you, but more than likely the 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 cartel will find you and kill you anyway when you're in a coma. You might as well just join Men in Black. Uh, so come with us. It's and, funny how many like oh, there's a weird period of time where like any comic book property was getting bought, and like yeah. that was kind of one of them. Well, I I will say to the origin of the company that produced the comic before it was Malibu. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and, and the guy even had to do a, a it's kind of a take where he was just like, let me repeat this again. The company that published it 
originally was a like a house decorating company. Yeah. That then they're like, well, one of the employees was like, maybe we should do comic books now yeah. instead, and they're they're just like, okay, and then they published a bunch of books, and I was just like. What? That's that, so bizarre. I was working at a comic book shop at the time. That was a crazy time. Well, uh, not to date you, what what year? What what years? I mean, while I was working at a comic book shop through like middle school and high school, like under the radar. Oh, really? Oh, where I I would basically ride my bike over there after school or on weekends, and I would sort the cards and the new comics that would come in and would stuff. Did they pay you actually for that to do that, or did or did it start off as you just doing it and they just start paying you? I got. Paid in comics. Can't complain with that at all. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd come over there, work a few hours, and then just take some home. One well, on this note, and if you have anything else, throw it in real quick. But this is more of a joke in my head. I was watching the movie, and I was just like, oh, it's the part where he's like, I'll do it right now, sir. Agency is like, I'll do it right now. I'll yeah. neuralize them. And they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yep. and, and that was very funny. That was very but funny. The, the, there was a part of my brain I was like, they need to put it in the movie where they just start accidentally neuralizing each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, that needs to be a bit... So make, can't be with the leads, probably, but background, like, yeah. ow, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are we all doing here? So, <laughs> stuff weird like that. I'm like, why has this not happened in any of the Men in Black movies? That would have been a fun after credit. That, yes, yeah. Besides that, that's the only thing I had. Do you have anything else you would have thrown there? Uh, mildly enjoyable, but just kind of middle of the road movie. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, if it's on TBS, I'm not really going to turn the channel, but. Yeah. Whatever. Which, Chris, buddy, Hems, Hemi, expect more from you, buddy. Yeah. And I don't blame, it's not your fault. It's not no, your fault. They, I think they did what they could with the script they were given yeah. or the script they kept changing. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, well. Well, well, everyone, that was uh, our discussion of Men in Black International. Did you have anything else you'd like to plug real quick? A standard plug on my website. EricSternberger.com. Um, Rescued Ohio. Yeah, Rescued Ohio. We just uh, got fosters for two dogs yesterday. That um, One of them still has medical issues that we'll be paying for uh, the whole time for the rest of whatever. But go check them out. All right. Well, Eric, thank you as much, or as always, I should say. Thank you. And uh, have a good one. You as well, sir. Please be sure to support our guest, Eric, for this episode. You can do that by checking the show notes or by going to rescuedohio.org or ericsternberger.com. Get out of here with that cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you shut up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!